Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, everybody, and happy holidays. Welcome to this week's edition of The Wonderful World of Wine. How are you, Kim? I'm well. Happy holidays to you, too, Mark. You, too. It's here so fast. And, I know. Uh, every year we try to come up with some sort of holiday theme pairing show. And uh, this year, our uh, listeners should know this, Kim, that I always bug you with ideas of shows. And <laughs> sometimes you, you're okay with them. And sometimes so many you, ideas. You know, <laughs> so yep. many outside the box ideas you have. <laughs> Trying to figure out what the listeners will like to hear about and how we can pair those things with wine. So I am a huge, huge Seinfeld fan, Kim. And I reached out to you and I said, we have to do a wine pairing show on Festivus. Festivus holiday. You know, And it sort it's... of struck me that how is it that we have not done a Festivus show? Yeah. I mean, so you're a Seinfeld <laughs> fan, correct, Kim? You still no, watch it? No, as much not as me. really. I mean, I know the. You know this. I know the cultural touch points of the show, but I wouldn't say uh, that I was particularly a fan. <laughs> well, it seems like I always relate a lot of things to Seinfeld. And the funny thing is, I for years, I was always mentioning it to my son, and finally he started watching and he's getting the jokes I've been making for the last 10 years, you know. Oh, that's funny. Related to Seinfeld. But the Festivus show was season nine, way back in 1997, December 18, 1997. And the show was called The Strike, I believe. It, mm -hmm. Festivus was kind of worked into it. And December 23rd is the official Festivus day for all the listeners out there. So I hope everybody wishes someone happy Festivus. And when you say happy holidays, you have to include Festivus. So we thought we would talk about pairing or tradition wines with the uh, traditions of Festivus in the meal. And uh, I want to leave it with you. I think we should start with the traditions, Kim. And what would you like to start first? for our listeners to know of the traditions and how we feel they should pair with wine in some way. Hmm. So I feel like the one that is the one that most people know of is the airing of grievances. And I've been trying to think for the last two days, if I have any grievances with you, with me, oh, boy. that I have to bring up. Like, do I have any grievances? <laughs> I don't have any grievances with you. So, well, well, it's I can't air any or how the person disappointed you in the year is yes. how they say it in the show. And maybe we can just say instead of like pairing this with all wine, I mean, how maybe how is wine been disappointing this year or things in wine that have disappointing in this year? Should we go that direction with it? That sounds great. What, so what I problems have would you have with wine? This yeah. Year? So air of I, grievance. I have one. And it is unfortunate that it's related to wine because it's really more of a, a larger issue. But, you know, we've been talking about 
supply chain issues in the second half of 2021. And, you know, things are not available at grocery stores and it's been hard for people with their holiday shopping to find that right gift for friend or a child. And we have really seen this trickle down into the wine industry. And I feel like especially those of us who are working in a business that can order their wines wholesale and we have different channels that we can go through. What I've been noticing is that it's a lot harder to figure out what is available. So that's one of my grievances is that when I go to these sites that my distributors who I buy from are are on and I'm supposed to be able to see everything that's available and I need that and I need that and I need that. It's all like, we're not sure. <laughs> right. like, I like to see available, available, available. And it's just like, you need to ask, you need to ask, you need to ask. Ugh. So that's been, um, that's been a little disappointing and different for me this year that it's been a little harder to um, just go click, you know, I want this and this and this and this, and then it'll show up at the school in a couple of days. So yeah, that's one of the, th- the, one, the ways that I feel like wine has disappointed me a little bit this year. Yeah, that's from like a trade perspective with people in the industry. So our listeners probably maybe don't have that problem with it, but it is oh, a sure. big issue within the wine world for sure. Right. What and about, then some what of about that will as trickle a consumer? Down. What about yeah, as well, a consumer I, for you this year? To, uh, Anything disappointed you? As a consumer you? of wine? Yeah, as a consumer of wine. Have you noticed trying to find things as a consumer that you had issues with? I mean, the well, bubbly I mean, was prices have definitely gone up. <laughs> yeah. And I've noticed that specifically with my beloved bubbly, that prices definitely are a little higher um, than they had been. I haven't noticed on a retail level that there have been too many things that I have been unable to get. So if I go into a retail store, I've I've generally been able to find most of the things that I need. So my issues in that regard are more from the perspective of, you know, someone who is professionally looking for, for those things. But as a consumer, I would say that the thing that I feel like myself and then others probably are noticing is the pricing, you know, prices have gone up. Yeah. But there's so much, I I think people as consumers, the average wine drinker, you walk into any store or any restaurant there's always wine there you always see something on the shelf it hasn't been anything like food or the toilet paper or the paper towels where you've never seen a wine on the shelf there's always something there it's it's hotter and hotter maybe to get replacements for things that have been in in short supply Mm -hmm. i mean i'm hearing coming into next year now we're going to have napa cab issues and those prices are going through the roof so I've come to learn that there's just something else will be found. We'll we'll find something else yeah. and talk about something else that's going to come in. So And we can always that's a, that's a good you know airing there. We can always flip that too, where you know, if something that a customer wants isn't available, we have the ability and the knowledge to be like, well, I've got something else that I can show you and give to you that that you'll like as well. So it's nice to be able to be in that position where there really is a lot out there that we can always provide an alternative to people. Right. Yeah. And that's that kind of leads me to my grievance, which is the, the pretty much the same thing my whole wine life now, Kim, is when you have 
certain wine drinkers that are just on big brands and they just mm. don't want to explore. I don't, I don't want to say just big brands, but they have one particular wine they drink all the time and they don't want to try anything else. And it, it kind of makes me want to th- scream and say, you know, there's so much out there. Try something else. And yeah. aren't you listening to Kim and I on the radio <laughs> telling you there's so much out there? Why are you supporting a company that's, you know, making cigarettes or doing, you know, do you know who you're supporting or what you're supporting? So that's my, I feel better at airing my grievance yeah. on that. Because, I think uh, that that is a very um, reasonable grievance. It just keeps continuing. That and my label thing. Every year, I think I'm, I'm tackling more on labels and then I, I go deeper into it and I go another direction with it. And I can just see why consumers are having a hard time understanding those labels because it, sure. it just gets trickier and trickier every year, finding out what's going on. And we did a whole show on that this year. So the area of grievances, that's so those are, those are good ones, Ken. <laughs> I, I agree. And the, the, uh, the show, I don't think they even aired anything. They started to say what they didn't like about people and never really went into it. So I thought that was always interesting part of the show about the airing of grievances. I think that that's a kinder way of approaching it instead of actually airing yeah. um, <laughs> our grievances yeah. against others. Yeah. Yeah, so do you celebrate miss- Festivus at home since you're such a big Seinfeld fan? Uh, I, I'm a social media Festivus celebrator. Ah, you know, I, okay. I do it because a lot of people at one time I was putting on my my signage, you know, in the store and people were getting the joke. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's all part of the happy holidays that someone out there is knows the joke about it. It's become a really popular thing. And that's why we had to address it, Kim, to, to talk about these Festivus traditions. That's right. So I want to go with the tradition of the pole that they talk about. It's not a tree. It's just, it's just a, it's just a pole. And it's really the only thing that's celebratory about, I feel that about Festivus is actual item to show you celebrate Festivus. And in the show, it was just a single aluminum pole. But it doesn't and get decorated, right? No, no decorations. Decoration. They, they did pole. not like tinsel. The father <laughs> said it was distracting to him. And to me, I think you can easily, for me, you can easily pair wine with the Festivus pole. So I'm curious what direction you would go with that. If I said pair a wine with the Festivus pole and the tradition of the Festivus pole, what would you think of? What comes to mind? Or did you not go that direction? I don't think I went that deep. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I was thinking see, more, what am I, I going to pair with the Festivus meatloaf? Oh, well, we'll get to the food. We got to see all right. Really, so nothing you would, if obviously you, if you're sitting around the festivist pole, what would do you have for wine? What would you serve your guests? To you know, go with in, the theme in of the that pole? kind of an environment, if you are sitting around the pole and obviously it's winter, it's cold. They were in New York, so it's northern hemisphere winter. You might want to go with something, you know, warm and mulled, perhaps mulled like a wine. mulled wine. Yeah, that could be Festivus related. It could be Festivus. See, so far, you know, our listeners probably know this listening to us that we kind of go a lot of different directions. Or maybe I just have more time on my hands than Kim. No, we always but, go in different directions. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking when I'm thinking aluminum pole, I'm thinking first off, it has to be a screw cap wine. <laughs> aluminum screw cap. You can't have a cork or take a cork out of a bottle when you're looking at an aluminum pole. So it has That's to be awesome. screw cap. 
it has to be to me Sauvignon Blanc or Pinot Grigio because that that screams screw cap and it just makes me think aluminum. The pole, it's aluminum, screams screw cap. Something easily you crack the uh, screw cap and you pour the wine. Simple, light, maybe a little acidic wine to go with the Festivus pole. Hmm. Even though it's winter, maybe a light, refreshing wine, but it has to be a screw cap. It could be, I guess, a screw cap Cabernet or. You know, I was just thinking a screw cap New Zealand Pinot Noir. There you go. That works. See, now you're in the Festivus mood. I think that that would really work. I like that. Now you're in the Festivus mood. There we go. I like that. So, what next? We talked about the airing of grievances. We talked about the poll for tradition. What about the next tradition? What would you like to go to? Two left. I feel there's two left. So, I don't think that we're going to be doing physically too many feats of strength, but I think it's a good time to talk about perhaps stronger wines if we are sticking to the theme of Festivus. And there is the Feats of Strength, which as the, the Festivus evening winds down, the, uh, the host has to wrestle with one of their guests. And it's only over when the head of the household uh, gets pinned down. Pinned so down. maybe we need to talk about those wines that perhaps will pin you down after yeah. you've had maybe a little too much of them. See, that was, I was going that same way, a strong wine or a high alcohol awesome. wine, because it's green strength, right? Something that's strong in the wine yes. world would be a fortified wine or something that's a little higher in alcohol, a Zinfandel, something like that. But Yeah. But- so, I mean, there are a couple of different routes. So you could go the fortified wine route where you have ports or some sherries and some other wines in the wine world that are made by having spirits added to them. And I just taught a fortified wine class and, you know, people were amazed that there are wines out there that you add liquor to, (laughs) you know, you add brandy to, and they're like, really, that's how port is made. It's like, yeah, that's why it's so strong in alcohol. You know, especially when you're talking about the seasonality of certain wines, we are really coming into the season where those wines are really I don't want to say acceptable, but they have a place and it makes sense to consume them when it's a little bit colder or when you're in a celebratory mood. So, yeah, I think those stronger fortified wines are a great addition to one's festivist festivities. It's always funny when people explore a fortified wine like a port for the first time or they taste it for the first time. And they're just blown away with the strength, you know, yeah. how, you know, you're talking 16, 17, 19, 20 percent, mm-hmm. which is a great difference between the 13 uh, percent sure. wine you're used to. So I was thinking also with the stronger wines, you could go with what's strong trending in wines. Yeah. For the feats of straight. So what do you think is tr- strong trending in wine that we've talked about this year? What is trending? So we've been talking for quite a while about pink wine. You know, rosé is not showing any signs of abating in its popularity. You know, a little bit less now in the summertime because, I mean, then, sorry, a little bit less now than um, how it is in the summertime because it is generally considered to be a little bit more of a, a warmer weather seasonal wine. But there are always those wines that I feel like have staying power. And I feel like Pinot Noir is still that wine. And I 
am always amazed at the reception that Pino still gets, even after oh, Sideways was like, what, 20 years ago now, maybe yeah. a little bit less. And yeah. yet it is still a grape variety that is very exciting in people's imagination. So I would say that, you know, we're still riding the Pinot Noir wave. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, on, on the rosé topic you mentioned, usually in fall, I'll phase out the rosés because yeah. the, the trend is over. Summer, the hot weather's gone. But I'm finding I have to keep more and more skews of it every year on the shelf during the fall and the winter mm-hmm. because more people are just continuing with it all yeah. year long. So I, I like that trend very much. It's It's good for the wine world. And you can get some really great deals because, you know, I just saw the 2021s are being released soon. So the 2020s, which are perfectly fresh, uh, cut in half now. So you can get some really great deals on what you were paying maybe $20 for four months ago is now 10 bucks. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. It's really good. And that's a great, you know, shopping tip for consumers to be like, Hey, if you like Rosé, this is a really good time of year because often we think of them as wines that are going to go bad early, but it's really not true. You know, they are a wine with a little bit of staying power. It's not like you have to drink them within six months. It's not like beer with an expiration date. You know, some of them do add different levels of flavor and complexity as they get a little older, but they're really not going to fall apart within a couple of years. So it's a great opportunity to be able to taste a bottle that you've maybe always wanted to, to try. And if it's even at a lower price point, then what's stopping you? Yeah, I totally agree. And the acidity of most of the rosés and they're using a lot of the heavier grapes out there. So mm-hmm. they'll, they'll last two, they three will. years and they taste yep. even better as they age too. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine and we are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about Mark at his website, franklinlickers.com. And more information about myself at commonwealthwineschool.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Welcome back to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are Mark and Kim. And as we are deep in the holiday season, we wanted to touch on one of Mark's favorite holidays, which is Festivus. Festivus. This is the Festivus Show 2021. So we've talked a lot about the uh, the Festivus traditions. We've talked about the Festivus poll and the airing of grievances and what wines we have in the wine world that have personalities (laughs) that would suit themselves to the different ways of celebrating Festivus. So you said you had one more to talk about because we've done one more tradition and our airing of grievances and our poll. So we must be up to the Festivus Miracles. Festivus Miracles. Yes, Kim, it's a Festivus Miracle. They mention in the show all the time, (laughs) referencing things that happen, you know, people bumping into one another. For me, how would you relate, you know, Festivus Miracle in the wine world? To me, it's just finding a wine that totally surprises you. That's good quality at a good price. And every year, the search for that Festivus Miracle is hotter and hotter for me, Tim, as a retailer. So I think it's the perfect thing. And I jokingly say that, you know, when uh, I find something, I'll say it's a Festivus Miracle. And and (laughs) the other day, I was joking with the delivery driver who was had like six cases on his wheeler. I say, oh, it's the feats of strength. And he stopped and 
he got it right so oh good people get <laughs> these little like, jokes dude you're weird <laughs> yeah yeah well people can relate so what would be your festivist miracle in the wine world related to wine kim uh related to wine i mean my my number one festivist miracle is personal and my uh, just continued reinvention in the industry, I would say, and uh, different jobs that I've gotten and different people that I've gotten to know. And I this wild, wacky adventure that I'm on. And I, I always feel like, I, you know, I, I never know where I'm going to be year to year or five years. I would look back and be like, wow, could you ever have imagined that that was what you were doing? So I would say that for me, 2021 was an entire festivist miracle of, you know, not knowing where I was going to land and then finding myself at a wonderful job teaching wine and managing the Commonwealth Wine School and really reestablishing a lot of those wonderful relationships with people that I have built over the years and that COVID really put a damper on those things because a lot of what we do professionally involves face-to-face contact. And we haven't, I mean, when was the last time you went to a physical wine tasting with another group of people? I still haven't been to one post-COVID. Yeah. No, I hosted some small ones. Yeah, I actually small have another ones, one but not week, like, so, you know, yeah. big ones in a ballroom. No, not the big trade. Importer yeah. would put on. And right. I miss that. And I miss seeing people. Right. But we've really been able to keep our businesses going, most of us, and pivoting in very positive ways, you know, trying to keep up with what's going on. And it's been nice this year over 2020 to to really be reestablishing contact with people and, and starting to get face-to-face with people again. So I would say that that is my professional festivist miracle but as far as from a wine perspective and you know things that i have tasted or retasted or really tried to wrap my hands around i would say that for me i'm really starting to realize just how good wines from states other than california oregon washington in the us have come to be. And I've been tasting wines from New York and Virginia and of course, Massachusetts. And I've just recently been able to taste wines from Maryland and Texas and like all of these other places. And it's really eye-opening and has been a real positive movement. I feel like that we have wineries that are popping up in all of these other states and winemakers who are doing wonderful things. So I would say that that has been maybe not a miracle, but really nice to see and to experience and to realize that going forward, those are going to be more things that people are, other people are going to be able to experience too. So I would say that that is my, my festivist miracle for wine for the year. Yeah. Those are perfect. Perfect, perfect examples of festivist miracles, Kim. I, I think they, they go just in the wine world with COVID, everything changed and adapted. You went through it on the restaurant side. We had adapt on the retail side. And I'm sure our listeners in some way had to adapt some way on yep. their, their wine choices. We all did. So nice. We all did. So let's move to the festivist meal, Kim. And did you know that there was actually a meal served in the festivist show? After well, some research, I did up. realize You it. looked yes. it up. Yeah. I had to look it up. Yeah. So what did you find out when you researched it? So I, I saw references to meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And was there also like 
salad, I think, was involved. Or am I? They thought for years, the thought was they were serving spaghetti and meatballs. And then with the high def screens coming into play, they were able to zoom in on the dish and they actually determined it was meatloaf on a bed of lettuce. Okay. And they they felt there was a bowl of peas, which you might have thought was a salad. And there was some mashed potato thing going on. So Well, you have have to have mashed potatoes with your meatloaf. Meatloaf on a bed of lettuce was interesting. And you know Mm. me, I'm a big meatloaf, meat and potatoes guy. You are a meat and potatoes guy. So what direction do you want to go? They didn't drink any. There was no wine or alcohol there. The George's boss was drinking from a flask, but he didn't pair it with his meatloaf. So (laughs) what would you pair with that meal? Meatloaf on a bed of lettuce. For I feel like the bed of lettuce is probably just garnish. Not sure people are eating too much of that bed of lettuce. But meatloaf is a very wine-friendly type of food. And I've actually paired it with numerous different things. So I will share with you some of the things that I like to go with meatloaf. So on my meatloaf, so we always do sautéed onions and barbecue sauce on our meatloaf. So I like to put our meatloaf with something that I would put with barbecued food. And for me, that comes to two different things. I would either do something fruity like a Zinfandel or I would go to Spain and do a Tempranillo because we love Tempranillo in my house. And some of the younger ones have some nice fruity characteristics to them. But even the older ones, like the Reservas, they keep a lot of their fruity characteristics, even though they have oak barrel aging. So it's a really nice balance between the fruit and then a little bit of age, which makes it very, very food friendly. So I would go with either of the two of those, and that would make me very happy for a red wine festivus pairing with meatloaf. Nice. Classic. The classics. Yeah. You know, it's not very creative. (laughs) I also really like Grenache with meatier dishes that have a touch of sweetness to them, but my husband doesn't like Grenache. So um, we're not going to be drinking that for Festivus. Okay. Nice. I like the choices. I like. How about you? Well, being a Seinfeld fan, Kim, I was trying to think of when did they even talk about wine in Seinfeld? And I I can't imagine that they did a whole lot of talking about wine. They didn't at all. But in the fifth season, there was a show called The Dinner Party. Where Kramer and George actually visit a liquor store. George had this big puffy coat on. And if our listeners can remember this episode, George kind of twirls around and he bumps into a display of wine. And he smashes it all over the place. Oh, gosh. But there was a conversation between George and Kramer. And come to find out, Kramer was very up on wine. And he mentioned about Mouton Cadet. He was holding his hand. He said, it's very... <laughs> It's very robust and dry. And he said, versus a Beaujolais, which is very fruity. So keeping with that theme of their wine from the fifth season to the festival show in the, in the ninth season, I say we pair the meatloaf with a Bordeaux, which Mouton Cadet is. Very good. Or Beaujolais or a Gamay. So I would stick with that theme. So, so you don't Seinfeld. think that Gamay would be a little too light for meatloaf? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think it's maybe a little too acidic, but depends on if it had a sauce that, uh, like you mentioned, if it had a barbecue sauce or something spicy, I think it works. Mm-hmm. That's true. There, Because there is that that spicy element. And, and I have to say, you know, you have always been 
a big proponent of red wines with a spicy component with spicy foods. And I've always sort of poo-pooed that like, no, no, you need to have a white wine with some sweetness to it in order to pair it correctly or well with spicy food. And then I did a spicy dish with a spicy red wine. And I have to say the pairing was so spot on that it is making me can like absolutely change my whole philosophy wow. about what to pair with spicy food. So it's miracle. It, th- maybe, you know what? Maybe that's my Festivus miracle Pairing is that miracle. I've, you know, my eyes have been opened <laughs> to what to pair with spicy food. Cause usually I'm like, like Riesling or nothing. But um, yeah, I don't remember That's what good. it was, if it was a Shiraz or if it was something from Southern France or Portugal, but it was really eye-opening. So I would have to say that doing one of those red wines that have a spicy component to it, if you're going to have you know some sort of spicy element to your meatloaf, I think would be really lovely. Sounds good to me. You yep. know, See, my, you've, you know you've, you've been yeah. telling me this for years and I've never believed you. And now, well, there's one. There's now one I know you're me. right. <laughs> now I know one. you're right. So we, oh, we're both right. See, the thing is, we're both for, right. There's no, we just, you know, you, you don't have to have all. just one answer for food and wine pairings. And that's what's so lovely about it is that, you know, there are so many right answers. It's not like a math problem. So uh, listeners have probably been thinking, I can't believe these guys are talking about Festivus and wine during the holidays. Like what, what, you know, but I was thinking when I sent the idea to you, Kim, and you gladly liked the idea, I was thinking when we were around the holidays and I saw you had posted something about traditions and, you know, you had mentioned something about Santa Claus and how when you grew up, Santa never wrapped the gift. They that's just put right. them on the tree, right? So it's yep. a tradition. And and that's what this whole festival is. It's just another tradition. We all have weird holiday traditions. So I can see where they kind of went with this whole creating a holiday, you know, Festivus. It's, it's a joke, I feel, based on traditions. The elf on the shelf, you know, all that type of stuff. So it's really no different than any of the holidays that we celebrate in a way that so I hope our listeners felt it was good for us to cover this and well what it comes down different. to is we create our own traditions right right so you know it's not you know holidays and holiday traditions are not static you know they change with um, the passing of time and with the people in your life and I think new traditions are welcome I I am not one of those people that really dislikes change. You know, I actually kind of like change. Most people don't. But, you know, over the course of time, these things do change. And I I think it's really nice to see new things entering either the public vernacular or things that individual families do. So thank you for uh, suggesting the idea of a Festivus show, because I think it was really fun. Yeah. So everybody remember December 23rd is Festivus. (laughs) And when you say happy holidays to somebody, please uh, include Festivus in those thoughts for our listeners. And you, Kim, happy holidays. And I hope you have a safe and Santa's good to you with some wine. Thank you. I hope so too. I hope so. I hope Santa knows what I like. And for all our listeners, uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everyone.
Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We have been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine, and all of our past episodes are on SoundCloud. Cheers and Merry Christmas. Bye, bye.